back to Podcast 51. I'm Tom DeLore. And I'm Emir Bankson. Uh, just a general warning for the podcast. We'd like to talk about stuff that can be a little bit, uh, I don't want to say graphic, but controversial maybe, because um, it's a lot of conspiracy theories. But just because we talk about something doesn't necessarily mean we condone it or support it or even believe in it. It's just an interesting topic to talk about. And yeah. so we just want to give it its time. And this week, we're talking about the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, man, the the spooky, spooky triangle that everyone just disappears in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just in case you aren't familiar with the Bermuda Triangle, which, do you live under a rock? Yeah, are you Patrick Starr from SpongeBob? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm pulling out just uh, random I, quotes I right got now. it. Uh, the Bermuda Triangle is also known as the Devil's Triangle, and it's a loosely defined region in the western part of the North Atlantic Ocean, uh, where a number of aircraft and ships are said to have disappeared under mysterious circumstances. Um, a lot of reputable sources dismiss the idea that there is like any mystery involving it, and the vicinity of the Bermuda Triangle is amongst the most heavily traveled shipping lanes in the world, um, with uh, ships frequently crossing through it for ports uh, in the Americas, Europe, and the Caribbean islands. So it's kind of like... A lot of people associate it with like mysterious disappearances, but it's also, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson even said it's mostly because there's a lot of volume in this area. So, of course, a lot more disappearances and weird stuff is going to happen because there's just a lot more stuff happening there in general. Yeah, a lot more things are going on. Um, but yeah, cruise ships and pleasure craft regularly sail through the region and commercial and private aircraft routinely fly over it. So it's mm. pretty common. But that has not you know, stopped the legend whatsoever. And so let's go into the history a little bit. So in 1964, uh, Vincent Gaddis wrote in Argosy that the boundaries of the Bermuda Triangle were Miami, San Juan, and Bermuda. But later theorists did not really follow this. Um, so the distance can vary from uh, 500,000 miles, square miles to about 1.5 million square miles. And so that can really depend... Uh, uh, so that can shift depending on the writer. So if the writer's like, oh my gosh, look at this incident that's in the North Atlantic... Um, they can just be like, let's just shift what the Bermuda Triangle actually is to cover this incident. Like, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, that's the first. It's flexible, you know, so yeah. they can try to include every single yeah, incident. Yeah, it's like um, like Roswell, but like when you just start adding on to things, mm -hmm. you can just expand like where how far it goes because it makes it cooler. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so the first mention of like the disappearances. Um, well, wait, quick question: Do people live there? In, in the Bermuda Triangle? Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of land, so mm. I'm going to say no. All right. Um, the first mention of the disappearances was on September 17th, 1950, in an article mag, uh, an article posted by the uh, – wow, I can't speak. In an article posted by the Miami Herald by Edward Van Winkle Jones, and two years later, the magazine Fate published a short article by George X. Sand about unusual disappearances of several planes and ships. And his was several cranes? Crane crashes. Yeah. <laughs> but his was the first to lay out the general area of the Bermuda Triangle. Um, and then, as I said, in 1964, he kind of laid it out again. Um, uh, Vincent Gaddis kind of laid it out again. That one was more widely accepted because he gave it three distinct, like, locations. Um, but George Sand talked about Flight 19, which is the designation given to a group of five torpedo bombers who went missing over the Bermuda Triangle after losing contact with the Navy on December 5, 1945. Keep in mind, this is 1945, so World War II time. Mm. Um, they were on a training mission, and all 14 airmen were lost, as well as 13 crew members on the Martin PBM Mariner flying uh, Martin PBM Mariner flying boat that was launched from the Naval Air Station Banana River. 
which what a name, Yeah. Uh, to search for the missing flight. So while the PBM aircraft is often ruled to have exploded due to its tendency to accumulate gasoline vapors in its bilges, there is absolutely no solid explanation for what happened to the missing flight. Um, the, there was a, actually an investigation into it, the, the incident as a whole, um, and the inc- and investigation gave way, gave way to a 500-page report um, several months later, and it made a couple observations, one of which um, is that the flight leader, Lieutenant Charles C. Taylor, had mistakenly believed that the small islands he passed over were the Florida Keys and, the heading, and that he was heading northeast, and that would take them to Florida, which was off course. Um, investigators... Uh, determined that the flight passed over the Bahamas as scheduled and did fly northeast over the Atlantic, but it was later determined that the compasses in Taylor's plane had stopped working. Um, and it's generally believed that when they realized they were too far out to sea, they were probably running way too low on fuel, so they couldn't have turned around to save themselves. Mm. Um, not to mention that the weather at the time was also bad. It's, well, is it, isn't it? it usually always bad there, or is that just like a... No. I mean, tropical I, storms, it's an area for tropical storms, but yeah. it does not necessarily... So, yeah, he could have just landed there and, you know. Was like he, he thought he was going to one place because he saw some islands, and they were the wrong islands, so he kept on going in a wrong direction. When he realized that he was way off course, they were already too low on fuel to really turn around and be able ah. to land safely. So he just probably landed it, or he probably just crashed in the water or something Yeah, like and that. nobody really knows where because um, well, yeah, there's been no no pieces of the wreckage that have been found. And it's kind of tough to find uh, wreckage of, like, stuff like that, no water. Cause, uh, did, I don't, did they have boxes back then? Oh, black boxes? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, so that... Also, but even if they did, tougher. they couldn't find any of it. Yeah. And, and it's in the bottom of the ocean somewhere, I'd assume, if you, that's what happens. And you can't really get... It's probably depending on how deep it is. You can't really get that far down there. Yeah. I mean, it's the Atlantic, so... I mean, uh, it's yeah. not the deepest, but it's, it's an ocean. Because, um... What was it? I don't know which... Like, it was one of the huge, like, plane crashes where, like, they can't... They know where the, the black box is, but they just can't get it because how deep down it is. Really? I haven't heard of that. Yeah, it's one of the... I don't want to, like, throw out one and then be wrong. Yeah. But it's, like, one of, like, the really big ones. And it's, it's just too deep? They, their vessels yeah, they, can't... Yeah, they, you just can't get that. You can't touch it once it gets... Because, like, the pressure. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can't just get down there. Yeah. That's interesting. It's one of them you just can't get down there. So that could have happened if he had a black box. But yeah. with just a wreckage and... It's kind of... Complete, yeah. It's neat on It's kind of lost, yeah. Uh, but in April 1962... Um, in an issue of the American Legion, Alan Eckert wrote that Taylor had been heard actually saying, We are entering white water. Nothing seems right. We don't know where we are. The water is green, no white. And also that the officials at the Navy Board of Inquiry told him that the planes flew off to Mars. So this guy's doing a little research. He's like, this happened. And also the Navy Board of Inquiry told me that the planes went to Mars. All right. Which is like, is that them going, all right, get out of here. They went to Mars. Yeah. Or is that like, whoo, they went to Mars. We built spacecrafts. <laughs> and, of course, more hardcore people that are a little uh, less grounded are going to be like, no, those are spacecrafts. No, but uh, he could have been a – are they saying that he said that over, like, the radio? Uh, the first part, the um, we are entering white water, nothing seems right. We all don't right. know where we are. So he could have been either – I'm going to guess he was either hallucinated by that point well, it says the water is green, which I feel like a lot of water looks green, um, then white. That too. And he says it's white, but so maybe that's like, if it was a storm, maybe it was like, you know, like, I don't want to say frothing, but whatever, you know, how, like, yeah. the crests and all that looks white, maybe that. Yeah, and then it also could have been like, could have been like sunlight reflecting, it could have been a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how many people did I say? Like 30, 33 in the convoy? Yeah. Um, but Sands article... 
uh, about this, or including this, was the first to introduce a potential supernatural aspect to the Bermuda Triangle. Um, And Vincent Gaddis, who was the guy I mentioned before, wrote a book in 1965 called Invisible Horizons, which expanded on an earlier article that he wrote, The Deadly Bermuda Triangle, which argued that Flight 19 was among a pattern of strange regional events. Wait, on the side note, doesn't Lost take place in the Bermuda Triangle? Like the TV show Lost? I didn't watch Lost, so Me I don't neither, know. but I was asking you because you look like you watched Lost. No, I don't. Where yeah. did... You look like a Lost fan. Lost take place? Like, I watched the first season, but that was the... I know, like you look like one of the guys who would have watched Lost and then just stopped watching Lost because it got too mainstream. Well, it says it was filmed in Hawaii, but that doesn't help. Tom is a hipster, by the way, people. He no. wears beanies even when it's like warm out. I have not worn a beanie in a while, so I don't want to hear that. Your Twitter says otherwise. Oh, that was taken in winter. <laughs> I'm just saying. It says I'm otherwise. Just, I'm trying to think of what my avatar was. That's not relevant, though. Yeah, I was just asking. <laughs> so that's one notable event that people kind of refer to in terms of the Bermuda Triangle. And the other one is my personal favorite. And uh, I should mention, in the, since we're in the middle of this, is that this Bermuda Triangle episode will be broken up into two episodes to kind of give you a more condensed uh See, I thought, version of it. I thought we were going to wait to the end and be like... Surprise. Surprise. No. Find out on the next episode of Podcast 51 you slash forget, Dragon Ball Z. For a second, I thought you were going to forget what the podcast was called. No. Um, but yeah, so we'll talk about... We talked about the history. We'll talk, we talked about Flight 19, and we'll talk about this last event, and then that'll be the end of the episode. And then next week, we'll talk about... Um, and one more event, and we'll talk about what some of the explanations are for the Bermuda Triangle and the disappearances. Um, to try to give you guys, instead of an hour-long episode or however long episode, we'll give you two more consumable pieces of Dude, information. Okay, this is another out of, like, have, like, a little bit to do with this, but not... Didn't JFK's son die in the Bermuda Triangle? Uh, if he did, I did not see that in any of the research that All I did. All right, I'll just Google it at a point. Okay, so this next one, this last one for this episode, is um, my favorite out of all the three that we're going to talk about, and it's about the USS Cyclops. <laughs> what so, a name. And so the USS Cyclops is one of four Proteus-class colliers built for U.S. Uh, built for the U.S. Navy, and it was launched on May 7, 1910. So keep in mind, this is during World War One, or around the time of World War One, I should say, um, and launched in November. She was located in the Baltic from May to July 1911, to supply second division ships, and she operated on the east coast from Newport to the Caribbean, servicing the fleet. And during the occupation of Veracruz in 1914 to 1915, she coaled ships on patrol there and aided in evacuation of refugees. When America entered World War One, Cyclops was commissioned on May 1, 1917, with Lieutenant Commander George W. Worley in command. Uh, she joined a convoy for Saint Nazaire, uh, France, in June ni- 1917. Oh, okay. and returned to the U.S. in July, and then continued to serve the East Coast. Um, she was a big ship, but she wasn't really used for combat. And on February 16th, whoops, I just shot down my page. On February 16, 1918, she left Rio de Janeiro and entered Salvador on the 20th. Two days later, she left for Baltimore with no scheduled stops carrying manganese ore. Um, it's believed that the Cyclops is overloaded upon departure. And Worley, who's the captain, uh, submitted a report before leaving, noting that the starboard engine had a cracked cylinder and was not operative. This was confirmed, but it was still recommended that the ship return to the U.S. And so they start their journey, and an unscheduled stop was made in Barbados due to rising water levels caused by the overloading. 
Um, but investigations in Rio said that the ship had been loaded and secured properly. Um, Cyclops then set out for Baltimore again on March 4th, and there was a rumored sighting on the 9th by a molasses tanker near Virginia. Due to the pacing of the actual ship, it would be highly unlikely that this was in the area at the time, though. So that's kind of... Uh, come under fire. So yeah, the guy probably was like looking to be a part of the story. It was like some crewman, and then the captain was like, and there, we, di- we didn't see anything, but one yeah. guy on the ship was like, I saw it. Yeah. Oh, and the side note, folks, uh, uh, Jack Kennedy's son, George, didn't die. Or John F. Kennedy Jr., he didn't die there. He died by the off the, on the Atlantic Ocean and mm. a plane crash, I believe. Interesting. Yeah, he was flying the plane. It was, yeah. So there was that sighting. And here's the thing, the Cyclops never ever made it to Baltimore. And mm. reports say that on March 10th, a day after the rumored sighting, a violent swarm swept through the area. So it seems like it probably sank. Um, overloaded, engine issues, and bad weather. However, an extensive naval investigation reported, quote, many theories have been advanced, but none that satisfactor- satisfactorily a- account for her disappearance. Um, so they said, like, all this stuff has been happened, but nothing really explains what actually happened, which I feel like would include the sinking. This was written before two of its sister ships, Proteus and Nereus, vanished in the North Atlantic during World War II. Both were also carrying heavy loads of metallic ore similar to the Cyclops, and in both cases the loss was pinned on catastrophic structural failure. But some theories say that all three disappearances were due to the Bermuda Triangle. So people are like overloaded engine or overloaded engine issues and bad weather, but the naval um, investigation was like that doesn't really make sense to us. But then later on, we have these their sister ships. They kind of are in a similar situation. They also sank, um, but it was never really revisited. So on June first, uh, in 1918, FDR, who was at the time the Assistant Secretary of the Navy, oh, declared Cyclops to be officially lost and all hands deceased. The number of total deceased would be 306 people, making it the single largest loss of life in U.S. naval history that did not involve combat. That's 306 people that just vanished with no trace. That uh, that sucks. And yeah. just, yeah, no idea behind it. Yeah. It probably sunk once and, again. Well, yeah, it, it sunk, but I guess more of the question is, why did it sink? Yeah, why? And then how come we've never found anything or, since? Or did it sink? Or you said it, it was carrying or would have... Johnny and the boys from the old, you know, the old wise guys stopped the ship and said, hey, get off the ship. We're taking all the... Oh, you think pirates? All the oars taking here. Taking the manganese oars? You know, Maybe. Taking all these oars here. That'd be pretty, it's a pretty big ship, though. It'd be pretty... And it was like a, technically a military vessel. It had military use, just not in combat. Yeah. Uh, maybe, who knows? Um, maybe I just solved a mystery. Something interesting that we want to look into, though. So this is during World War I. Um, and something a lot of people take a look at is at Worley, who is the lieutenant commander of the ship. And investigations by the, naval, uh, by the Office of Naval Intelligence revealed that Captain Worley was born Johann Frederick Wickman in Sonstedt, Hanover, Germany in 1862, and that he had entered America by jumping ship in San Francisco in 1878. By 1898, he had changed his name to George Worley and owned and operated a saloon on San Francisco's Barbary Coast. During this time, he qualified for the position of ship's master and had commanded several civilian merchant ships, picking up and delivering legal and illegal cargo from the Far East to San Francisco. So this guy's not even American. He's German. And he was who born were we German, and he had, he had entered in yeah, exactly. Oh, World War 
man. Texas that, and allies. He was. So maybe that's not enough reason to say he was definitely involved because pinning somebody with the rest of the people uh, yeah, has I got know, us in a yeah, lot of trouble. Yeah, it's kind of messed up, yeah. But there's more to it than that. But and so the crews of these voyages reported that Worley was brutal and often brutalized them for trivial things. So he's got an anger problem. Oh. Despite that, Worley was commissioned as lieutenant commander in the Naval Auxiliary, uh, yeah, Auxiliary Reserve on February 21st, 1917. His behavior continued, and at one point he was uh, he allegedly chased an, an, an ensign about with a pistol. Um, he would be found on occasion doing his rounds in long underwear and a derby hat. And he would sometimes have an inexperienced man be in charge of loading cargo while confining the more experienced man to his quarters. Oh. Such was the case in Rio with the loading of the manganese ore before the ship disappeared. So what, so what this is saying that possibly he was one of the low-key, not really stealthy, but kind of stealthiest, uh, like... Secret agents of all time. Well, here's the thing. Because everyone, I mean, it's there's nothing clear. yet that is saying that, that I've talked about yet that is saying that he was working with the Germans. But some stuff just this is kind of saying that he was a, not really fit. He was, excuse me, he had anger issues, uh, severe anger issues, and he seemed to be missing a few cogs up in the in the top, especially because he's confining an experienced crewman uh, to his quarters while he's having someone that's inexperienced do the loading. Yeah. Granted that the loading was um, called, um, it said it was all confirmed as being done correctly in Rio, but who knows what actually happened there, I guess. Yeah. But it seems like there's something wrong with him. Yeah, you but think there's something wrong with his, his wingington, you know, his domington? I've never heard that term, but okay. Yeah, you just have now. Thank you for educating me. No problem. <laughs> More serious allegations uh, against Worley of being pro, are accuse him of being pro-German, including with the enemy, which is kind of what we all thought. And one of the passengers on the ship on the final voyage was um, Alfred. Oh, excuse me. I should back up a little bit. His closest friends were German or of German descent, which is not incriminating. I don't think. Okay. Yet. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. One of the passengers was Alfred Louis Moreau Gottschalk. AKA Johann Sebastian Bach. Oh my God. Um. No. Okay. But this guy was hated because he often, uh, kind of he had, he was hated for his pro-German sentiments. Oh. And some believe that the two worked together to hand over the ship to the Germans. I mean, well, how close is how close is Bermuda to Germany? Well, it's not necessarily close, but like it's World War One, so there's a lot of German ships patrolling True. a lot of the Atlantic. I don't know if they're that close, yeah. but if they kind of colluded together, they could just like slip off across the Atlantic and then hand the ship over, hit some of that fog, and then somebody pulls up in front of them like, "You get off that ship." And uh, then, so that 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 theory kind of then, says that it never sank, and that is it was, it was willfully uh, given to the enemy. Yeah, but then what that would lead to what happened to the six hundred? I mean, not six hundred, three hundred people. They got killed. I have no idea. Like that would first off a lot of bodies. So maybe they just like get get to a German vessel and then they just like. Go to the next ship, and they just like destroy the dis- destroy the uh, Cyclops, and just with everybody else on board. But like maybe like Alfred and uh, George get off and get to the other ship because they're they, German sympathizers. Or they get they get taken, brought into Germany, 
They start a radio station called Tiger. No, you got to go further. You got to go to Japan. Oh, you got to go to Japan then. They or no, okay, what would be a German equivalent of Tiger? Uh, it wasn't Tiger. It was, uh, she was she was Tokyo Rose. Okay, Tokyo Rose would be a... Uh, What's a German um, flower? Uh... Grangshaven Rose. That was fake. You I just made yeah, a German I noise. Did, I did just <laughs> the uh, idol Edelweiss. Edel Edelweiss. Rose. It, so that no, that's that's actually a flower. So it'd be like the Hanover Edelweiss. Yeah, and then they were just like <laughs> forced to, you know, become. Uh, they, they're forced to become radio personalities. Yeah, like Amelia Earhart did. Yeah, for the J- Japanese. It happened with Amelia Earhart. It happened Everybody to go her. listen to our episode on Amelia Earhart. Yeah. But, yeah, so... Allegedly. Allegedly. You got to <laughs> say allegedly. But, so, what this is saying is they got cut off by a German ship, or they got set up by it, and maybe not knew, like, maybe not knowing that the, they did The rest it. of the crew? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the idea on this one would be that only, at least... Uh, the captain would, the lieutenant commander George Worley was on board with it because he was colluding with the enemy. Well, but I feel like more people would have to. Know, well, I know they didn't do background checks back then, but I feel apparently like, not. He was from Germany, <laughs> and they didn't know until they did the investigation. Off, there's nothing wrong with it, a, a German, per- because especially thing, back here's then. The thing, he's a German person who were fighting a war against Germany, and then he also entered the country illegally. That is true. N- none of that. I, this is. It's suspect. It is suspect. It is suspect. Like, and also how he he climbed really fast. So either he yeah either he lived the uh, the legit, a hundred percent real American dream, yeah, or he is maybe a German spy. And there's one last piece of information here before I kind of close up this this story with all the information we have for it. But following the war, people were were actually thinking that maybe it was turned over or captured or something like that. Okay. And so, following the war, German records were checked for details about the Cyclops, but nothing was ever found. doesn't mean it didn't happen. It just means that if it did, there was no record of it. Well, yeah, because if, like, if we could, dis- if our CIA back in the day could destroy all that stuff related to, like, you know, MKUltra. They tried. Like, let's not say, let's act like Germany couldn't also destroy, especially back then, because that was when it was, like, it's a poor time. Things just get mishandled, you know. Mm-hmm. Bread is like $6. <laughs> In Germany? Yeah, back then. Okay. Because uh, that was back post-war. Let's that was post-war. This is mid-war, though. Well, I'm saying, but you said that they checked for the files post-war. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so back then, post-war, history-wise, Germany had to pay France a Rep- bunch of reparations. reparations. Yeah, and then all their their uh, economy they had to pay a crashed. Lot of people reparations. Yeah, yes, it did. and then their economy it like, crashed. It was too. more than six dollars for loaf bread. It was like a hundred dollars. Yeah, something absurd. Yeah, their economy crashed, and their dollar, like the worth of their dollar, like crashed completely. So each like the bread and all that ended up becoming more than their dollar. Mm-hmm. So like at that time, like bread was like six bucks for them. And with their currency, mm-hmm. which is like why like somebody else ended up coming into charge and coming into power. I actually read this. This is not relevant to this um, pod, this episode in particular, but I read that that reparations is kind of a commonly misunderstood cause that is not necessarily the cause for the war. Well, um, no, it wasn't the cause, but it was like kind of like you think it was a factor. I'm saying it was a factor because you need you can't catch someone. You have to catch someone at a, a weak point in order to take 
over, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, I can. And that example, like, okay, if we're bringing up my, the, I mean, not my man. Whoa. If we're bringing up. <laughs> bring it up. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> we're bringing up. I had to go back in the stew and rewrite that verse. <laughs> we're coming. We're talking about uh, the, uh, the artiste slash conqueror oh, of God. a nation back then. Mr. Not even Mr. Adolf. Let's just gonna go. Let's go. Adolf Scum. We're talking about him in this situation. He rose to power because the guy who was in charge did the old like keep your friends close but keep your enemies closer. Yeah. And he made him chancellor, and then he got overthrown because like, you know, Adolf Scum was really good at talking Mm -hmm. and like had the gift of gab, so it was really easy to turn. If you're if you're uh, charismatic enough, you can kind of turn anyone towards yeah, yeah. your side. So, I mean, yeah, back then they could have made anything disappear because it was like a turn. It was a turnover period, and plus, like everybody was poor at that point. So you can just make things like go away. It's probably the easiest time to make something go away. Yeah, because everybody's blowing stuff up. You know. Yeah, their country's in civil desolation war. economically, yeah. physically. Mm-hmm. I feel that it's an easy time. And then. They can just make a ship disappear. Yeah. Well, they can. Or it sank. Make paperwork for a ship disappear. Yeah. But yeah. Or yeah, it could have sank. Uh, we don't. We'll, maybe we'll never know. We probably never will until they come out with like super. Future. Until they release a, a seventy-year retrospective and just totally for don't do a Google search on. Yeah. It. Until somebody like somebody big enough tweets until they out find a photo of it in Japan. <laughs> until somebody big enough tweets out, yo, whatever happened to that ship, dog? And then everyone's like, man, yeah, what happened to that? And then they actually do some research. But until then, little old me and you couldn't do that. I mean, planes, passenger planes disappear. Literally. Nowadays. Like, and, like, how does that happen? <laughs> just literally just disappear off the face of the earth and everyone's like. Yeah. And so it's it's really easy to believe that a ship could disappear, Yeah, you know, 70 years ago. Yeah. Um, actually, interesting, uh, something to mention that I forgot to mention when we were going over that is that um, this was – oh, no, not this one. Maybe see, it's the see, next one. We in the studio, and I got to make you rewrite your verse now because you couldn't come the, immediately. I think it's the next one. Um, no, it was that one. That one was – we're almost uh, um, 100 years removed from it on the dot. It happened uh, – when did they leave? They left February 20 – they left – uh, so we're recording this on the 21st, um, but on February 16th, it's when it left, uh, on the 20th is when it left, um, left Salvador for Baltimore. So it's almost a hundred years since the event Yeah. on the dot. That's wild. So this will come out not on the 21st, but it'll come out the week of, um, at the week of the 20th. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Totally accidental. Allegedly. Um, and so do you have any final thoughts on the Cyclops or Flight 19 or Bermuda Triangle up until what we've learned so okay, far? Okay, Cyclops would be really interesting to, like, really, really dive into, like, one day when it comes to, like, someone with, like, more means. Resources? Yeah, and resources, because yeah, yeah. that's an interesting story. The other ones could be the Flight 19 one was, like, that's a historic Cons- one, though. Considering the fact that it was the single largest loss of life for the Navy in non-combat situations, and then nobody actually knows what happened, I feel like is insane. Yeah. Literally 300-plus people 
are just gone, but and they just don't know what happened to them. That's, as, that's insane to me. As we say with like most things back then, like it was just a wild time back then. I guess. Like now, somebody would have their camera out, like, "Yo, we about to, we about to go, dog." But like yeah. back then, it was like. You couldn't you couldn't You're pull like, out a, right. a flip phone and record it. You just like on the Titanic, you just keep the band just keeps playing until they're underwater. Yeah, and then they were underwater. Okay, so any final thoughts? No, yeah, those. It's I can't wait to see what the next ones are. And what so yeah, I'm gonna give a little tease. Um, Ooh. Well, there's only one Ooh, more tease. I'm gonna talk about. Maybe if I find something in between Spicy. the next recording and this episode, then I'll add that into it too. But the next one is about this guy named. Uh, Linquist, Robert Linquist. Uh, he's he's flying a much smaller plane, thirty-two people um, total on it, and his plane uh, left um, Puerto Rico, I believe, and Puerto Rico. and was never never seen again. Mm. And so we're gonna talk about a lot of the stuff that plays into that, and there's a lot of information on that one, as well as some of the explanations that people give for it. Was it Atlantis? Oh, was it? Some human error. All right, we're getting or too spicy. Or was it these things called methane hydrates? Okay. Well, which are like water bombs. Tease me, Tom. Don't take me all the way there, dude. Uh, uh, so that's that's what I got for you guys next next time. So you better stay tuned for that so you can figure out what people actually think happened and what happened with Robert Lindquist and his small plane. Don't look it up, please. Just just Don't look it up. Don't spoil it for yourself, guys. Don't spoil guys. it for yourself. You, wanna, you know you want to hear me... And Amir talk about it and discuss it. Don't spoil something that happened like 50 years ago. So, yeah, the, and so yeah, and I guess maybe if I find something, um, I'll, I'll give it another once over to see if there's like a nugget in there somewhere of something that I missed um, that could be interesting to talk about. But yeah, that's what we got for next week. Yeah. Um, so, I just want to give you guys your plugs. You are listening to this somehow, but there are other ways you can listen to it. Uh, you can listen on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash cm-life. iTunes under the profile Central Michigan Life Podcast. The Central Michigan Life website, which is uh, cm-life.com slash multimedia slash audio. We have a Twitter. We like to um, tweet relevant information as well as the episodes uh, a couple times a week when they come out. So you can get stay updated with us there if there's a topic you want to talk about that we haven't talked about if there's something we missed that you think is super interesting about any of these um, tweet that at us once again that's at the podcast 51 which is 51 um yeah and so next week we'll have part two um and then after that we'll have amir we're gonna give amir the uh the lead i guess again and we're gonna go into some music uh yeah. conspiracy theories uh, also i should say we also have an instagram which i also put the promote the uh, new episodes there um put up a relevant photo put the link in the bio all that jazz so go follow us both those places if you want to stay um informed on what's coming out and also just other interesting or creepy stuff that we have to find throughout the week so thank you guys for listening i'm tom delore and i'm amir bankston and as a little sneak peek for what i'm going to be doing in that two weeks you know this is the end that's all i gotta say it's music related if you know it you know it so as you always know as i say all the time Stay. I forgot the first one, but spooky? I'm gonna say stay. Sp- I thought I was gonna say stay smart, stay spooky, stay curious, and stay awesome. Me and Tom love you all. Peace.